Learning is social. Innovation is social. The campus experience uh, is social. And, you know, when we talked to students, they said, you know, what is the one thing that you miss the most? And it's their friends, being around other people and those connections. And it's so integral to the college experience that it's what we need to be thinking about when we're thinking about our campuses. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. This is CCB, your host. And today we have one of our Wonder Grant 2020 award teams joining us. Before I invite them to start talking, I'm going to explain a little tiny bit about the Wonder Grant, which supports exploration and research that impacts environments where work, innovation, healing, and learning take place. We've been awarding Wonder Grants for the last two years. We actually are in our third um, round right now, but are, there have been nine Wonder Grant Award teams over the past two years, and the research is as broad and as delightful as our design community here in Northern California. So I'm going to invite two folks from EHDD to join us today and talk about their project, Reimagining Learning Environments. Doris Guerrero from EHDD, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks a whole lot um, for having us here. I am uh, Interiors Lead at EHDD, and for those of you who don't know us, EHDD was founded in 1946 in San Francisco, a city known for embracing ideas about the future. This ethos has informed our work since the beginning, resulting in forward-thinking design that lasts for generations. Learning environments are a key focus of our practice, including K-12, libraries, museums, and higher education. We start from the standpoint from the stand, we start from the standpoint of experience and place. How do spaces we design support the experiences, culture, and work of those that use them? And what are the unique opportunities that, of place to be discovered and highlighted? That is also the starting point for this project. Um, before we get into the project, I just want to say a little bit about myself, and then I'll have Emily Bello, uh, senior designer at EHDD as well, um, share a little bit about herself. I come from an architecture practice that has a lot of various backgrounds in landscape architecture, commercial interiors. I love it all, and I always have. Um, all my education has always led me down the path of um, integrated environments, whether it's landscape or really intimate interiors. So I always look at it through that lens. Um, Emily, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you, Doris. Um, uh, as Doris said, my name is Emily Bello. I'm a senior designer with EHDD. And um, what I love most about our work is it really does evolve out of place and of the people and communities that the project serve. So, um, this project was a wonderful opportunity to sort of have those broader dialogues about, you know, what's really going on in education right now and the tremendous change over the last years, and really have the time and space to think about how this will impact our work moving ahead. Um, so it was, it was a real delight <laughs> to be a part of this project and to have that time. Um, so thank you for that. Certainly. Um I will say that uh, we 
we are not supposed to have favorites in all of our the projects that come through <laughs> on the Wonder Grant, but there are some that stand out. They they truly do. And the work that you guys did is just phenomenal. And the way that you've packaged it so that others can can review this information um, after the fact is also pretty impressive. So tell us a little bit about why you chose reimagining learning environments in the higher ed uh, as sphere and how you put your project together. So, you know, as the um, pandemic began to unfold last year, um, our, our clients started reaching out to us and saying, okay, how do we wrangle with um, uh, hybrid learning? How, how do we think about potentially bringing students back in a distanced environment? I mean, everything was sort of turned on its head. And so we use that as an opportunity to reach out to a um, student that we'd worked with before, Jerome Wang, a public health student at UC Berkeley, and to, to build some research to really understand what our clients were really wrangling with in this time of enormous change. And um, I think what was unique about that process is that it was both having a student um, steeped in research <laughs> and in the world of public health um, do that kind of in-depth research for us. And as we all remember, you know, day-to-day -day new research and findings were, were being uncovered. So just to have someone to stay on top of all of that um, was fantastic and to really understand what the real um, kind of science was saying. And then at the same time, to be able to just have conversations and reach out to all of our clients, to a whole range of students, um, and just talk about what their impacts had been and what it meant to them and where they saw things going. And um, I think just having that time to really have one-on-one -on -one conversations with all those people was incredibly valuable. And so our process really built on those two pieces. Um, and it became clear that the, the effects were clearly profound, and that's probably not a surprise, um, but the effect from one student to another, from one faculty member to another, from one campus to another, were so wildly different um, that it was clear that we really needed to take the time to have those conversations, um, to choose this moment to sort of reset and figure out, okay, how can we use this time of yes, profound impact and change, but also use it to sort of leverage that to think about change for the future? Doris, I think you have a question. Did you want I to say did, Well, I had a comment about that. I think we were very fortunate that the that our research and engagement happened at a time where many people were being reflective and really rethinking what. Uh, what would stick beyond the pandemic and what it made people reevaluate how we see education, what is the value of education, what will we bring forward after this pandemic. So just about everyone we spoke to had very high quality and very um, insightful feedback for us. And I think that that watershed moment was captured perfectly at this time. Yeah. And with this, with this Wonder Grant, this was perfect. Sometimes that serendipity is just spectacular. And I think uh, one, of the, one of the more impressive uh, elements of the project is not only the scope of uh, cont contributors and participants, 
um, and that feeling that is coming from them, the, um, the, the true, the like genuine sharing of information from Jerome's student interaction uh, and all of the broad uh, education um, clients and, and um, you know, administrators that you were talking with. So you're collecting all this information and you're thinking about what is going to be the most effective way of moving forward with it and, and incorporating it into some format and you came up with something that's pretty um, pretty solid in its um, in its framework thoughtfulness. So, can you talk a little bit about that? I want to say a little bit about that just just to begin, and I think Emily will um, fill in the details. We wanted to make it fun for ourselves too, so we said, "Okay, great, we're going to do the research. We're committed to it. We're committed to the um, the hypotheses, but we also want to design." And I think what we, what was um, at one point we uh, paused as a group and we decided we're going to create prototypes. We're going to put out design propositions that are just iterations. And I think that that for us was um, the carrot. <laughs> Emily, do you want to add to that? No, I love that. I agree with that completely. That there's the research and what we learned, um, we then integrated it into a toolkit for designers, and at some point we said, okay, let's test out our own toolkit. Let's see if this is really meaningful. And we sort of turned the lens on ourselves and our own work. So we, you know, we reached out to former clients, we looked at former projects, and we said, how would we use some of these ideas to really change what we did before? Uh, what does it really mean? And I think, you know, the, the underlying question really became, um, you know, what is the, the value of higher education moving forward? What does it mean moving forward to have a higher ed campus that is really going to draw students and faculty back? And so it allowed us the opportunity to, to test that in our own work. So I had and a t-shirt made. I had a t-shirt made that says learning is social. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> As a result of reading there all of it has been, well, I mean, that, that type of um, consideration is not isolated to higher ed. It's not isolated to K through 12. Learning happens throughout life. And when you stop and think about that, we've been talking about a lot of the gaps that are taking place at this moment in time because we haven't been able to be together. And that disintegration, if you will, of some of the serendipitous learning. So take it away from there. Girls, women. Absolutely. Learning is social. Innovation is social. The campus experience uh, is social. And, you know, when we talked to students, they said, you know, what is the one thing that you miss the most? And it's their friends and being around other people and those connections. And it's so integral to the college experience that it's what we need to be thinking about when we're thinking about our campuses. I think one of the most surprising discoveries is when Jerome mentioned that he had virtual online study groups where maybe even people weren't even speaking, but they were studying together virtually on Zoom meetings. They're like, wow, that is really social. <laughs> um, so we found surprises. And I think we even tried some of the premises out on ourselves. We took some of the premises to the EHDD office team as, you know, hey guys, what about this as a design concept? And we were amazed at the spectrum of responses, even from designers from the same office with the same DNA, um, really diverse perspectives. And I think that that really helped us 
when we were crafting the conclusion of the brief and knowing that the user, the constituent, their clients would all be um, informed in different ways and they'd take different things from it. So I, I, I was really surprised. <laughs> Emily, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the controversial auditorium? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so um, we, we had a, a, a parallel process in the office where we were bringing these ideas and provocations back to our colleagues and having you know, salons around these ideas. And one of the themes that came up again and again when you talk to students, when you talk to faculty is, you know, the auditorium is dead. I don't want to take classes in the auditorium anymore. There's too many people. You're, you know, you're sandwiched together. And perhaps the, you know, with a renewed focus on the quality of the teaching and learning experience, I'd rather just take that type of course online. So we posed that back to the office. And you would not believe the uproar. <laughs> you know, we're How all many thinking, auditoriums were on the drawing board. Wait. <laughs> Well, exactly. And, and, you know, we're thinking back to our own college experiences, and that's really our frame of reference is, you know, um, comments like, no, taking the big survey lecture course in the large auditorium, that's a rite of passage, you know, and it just feels like, you know, why you go to campus. And you realize that our, our experience of higher education and what we wanted out of it is so different than the next generation. And we have to keep them in mind because they have very different ideas about what they want and what they need. And to have the benefit of Jerome, a, a student, to reach out to his peers um, and to have that dialogue and to get their critique, which was our harshest critique in many of our prototypes, which was fantastic because we got to you know, adapt them. Um, it was incredibly valuable. So we can't, you know, as, as members of the older generation, we can't be designing campuses for the next generation without their input and their ideas. Yeah, and I was able, I was teaching, right? Like when we were concurrently doing the grant. And I feel like I learned more from my students than they learned from me. I mean, it was <laughs> so fantastic. Um, a great opportunity. I translated my studio classes to, you know, to online, totally virtual. Students were all over the world in India, China, Korea, Canada, and East Coast. Um, and it, it was a really wonderful time to hear back from students and to really understand at a finer level what works, what we might, you know, what translates and what doesn't, and how individuals just sort of respond to those environments so differently. So you, you just raised an issue, one of the ones that I wanted to bring up, which was another one of your statements uh, in the brief, technology is an equity issue. So can you speak to that a little bit? I think it's something that we're all feeling. And I can. I can yeah. say firsthand experience. Um, not all of my students had equitable access to internet wireless resources, robust computers, robust software. The um, school scrambled to get um, to support with uh, a, um, extra laptops, get um, virtual licenses of software, but in all cases it didn't work, especially if you're abroad or if you just don't have that wireless. Um, so I think it translated, you know, also in, in terms of connecting online, if you can't have your camera on, then you can't participate in an equitable way. 
right, where everyone's smiling and having a great old time and half of the conversation is missed. In many cases, our conversations were recorded and kept for posterity, but that person wasn't able to participate initially, right? So I would say just off the bat, I experienced, I personally experienced that firsthand. Um, Emily, do you want to add anything else to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think too, um, there are the, you know, the issues just in terms of access to technology, access to Wi-Fi um, over the last couple of years. But I think even moving forward, uh, it's clear that the hybrid model is here to stay, but those existing tech uh, inequity issues are, are going to persist. So I think there is, go ahead, Dora. We also might want to add, we, our conversation started to become about um, access to campuses, right? Transit, public transit, automobiles, and, and different kinds of institutions like community colleges versus universities and private, you know, public universities, private universities, and that even access to those institutions aren't equitable. The scope of our conversations went wide. It was about, you know, creating hubs, alternative hubs um, to suburban and rural students um, otherwise, and then having those resources maybe reach a little bit further. But because of the scope of our time and the document, um, we just sort of tried to to, to layer that into the conversation, but it's a really rich topic, not just in terms of technology, but also just physical access and resources. Yeah. Well, equity uh, came through and through all of your research as you're reading the students as well as the, um, the educators. Yeah, and yeah, I would add to that list, there's you know, technology, there's housing, financial aid, um, food insecurity, and we're talking students and staff and faculty. So it's the whole higher ed community where all of those issues need to be dealt with at the campus level. So that just leans you right into the whole wellness um, conversation that also was fairly substantial. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. How yes. it relates to the so, future. Um, you know, what, what is great is that it's, it was wellness and a concern for health and wellness that kept everyone out of campus in the last year. It's a, it's a desire for wellness that's going to bring everyone back. And what we learned from our partnership with Jerome is, um, and from you know, much of our work, wellness is not a one-sided thing. We're talking about holistic approaches to wellness. So you know, mental, physical, psychological, physiological, sociological, wellness is also social, right? So how um, do we think of the campus as a resource for health and wellness for a broader community? How do you bring people together in a social way? How do you provide uh, restorative environments um, and, and support to really um, um, to mediate some of the effects over the last year and well, draw people well. back? The last and, year and moving into, I mean, the right. one could argue Years. the decade Point. moving into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, and you also have just uh, uh, addressed that whole difference. The impacts are varied depending on the size of the institution, depending on the nature of the institution, depending on the student body. And so how, how in your, uh, in your concept do the, you know, the overarching frameworks fit or, or support each one of those different types of 
how, how, did, how did you pull together enough of uh, a, a generic, if you will, variety of spaces and solutions that everyone would have an option? So I think in this way, it's, um, you know, much like many other uh, sectors or uh, similar to the workplace, right? You're not just creating, it's about thinking beyond just the classroom and the office to a whole ecosystem of spaces and resources and amenities and environments that support the unique community of students and faculty and staff. And, you know, it really varies from place to place. Um, depending on what the needs are. I think what we did is we initially talked about taking one of our anonymizing, one of our existing projects, higher ed projects, mm -hmm. and looking at this room typologies and questioning what's missing. What can we add here and how can we deconstruct and reconstruct the program of whatever that is, right? So like a resource room, um, a you know, small classroom, a faculty hub, right? We were just sort of looking at existing typologies and really querying, like, how, how, how can we push these forward and what's missing, right? And so we thought there were a few typologies that were a lot of fun developing, like the public-private partnership gallery, which has a little bit of indoor-outdoor, right? Um, we also looked at, obviously, the auditorium. Um, but again, we were sort of looking at it through the lens of what's missing, but what can we overlay as well in terms of wellness, technology, access, hybridity. Um, so it was a lot of fun. We just started with that first initial framework and then started to really uh, think about layers and, and approaches to those typologies. Yeah. I would say too, we could leverage um, Jerome's expertise on the research side. So as we started to ideate as a team, okay, what do spaces for innovation, what does that really mean? <laughs> what are the types of spaces that support innovation? Um, and so as we started to ideate that, both for students and for faculty, Jerome could do the research and say, okay, there was a study that was done in this, this campus or in this place, and this is what science is saying. This is what innovation does to your brain and the environment around you. So we actually got to do that sort of you know, true research-driven <laughs> design, which we never have time to do and really understand it at that whole other level, which was great. Okay, so you've done all the research, you've created the brief, it's living, it's a living document that's kind of floating around now. Um, and now there's a couple of months um, of water under the bridge. How, how is it settling at EHDD? How is it settling for each of you? I think we've already heard, we've already had this one instance where Emily and I have been in a meeting and a client will say, what if we deconstruct that room and rethink it? And, you know, it's totally, we were like, we already did that. And we looked at each other across the room and we we're like, right on, we can use this as a design tool and a really great learning. And so I feel like the, the typologies that we explored, whether they made it into the brief or not, are really pushing us to have these um, conversations and to really go deeper in terms of how we're thinking about post-pandemic space, whether regardless of, of project type. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we're thinking about, um, it's amazing how relevant it is to not just educational environments, but to the workplace, to exhibit and user experience environments, 
everyone is talking about the same things and there's potential uh, in all of those realms and the overlap is, is just incredible. Um, and it seems too that there's this underlying theme of the potential in the short term, in the next three to five years, everyone is saying, okay, who knows really what's gonna happen? But let's test it out. Let's prototype it. Let's partner with someone and see how it's going to change the way we work, the way we learn, the way we communicate our ideas to a broader audience. And um, there's it's incredibly there's incredible potential, and also it's a little scary. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how many people? I, you know, do you start? Not that we haven't heard the prototyping word over and over and over yeah. again, and we continue to, I mean, from a design perspective, everybody would love that opportunity. How do you find the right people that are going to jump, you know, uh, jump overboard with you and go, yeah, we're prototyping the space that people are moving into in 20 minutes. You know, you'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we met with a board not too long ago. And they were like, what can we do with this room? We don't want, we don't need a boardroom. What can it be? And that's when Emily and I looked at it, at the room across at each other and we were like, right on, we're on the, we're on the right tack. So I think even the most unlikely of folks are ready to just, you know, rip off the band-aid and get started on some really interesting space and places. I think I don't see a lot of people, I haven't heard personally, a lot of people that are interested in going back to design circa 19, you know, 2019. Yeah. And so I think that it's a, as tragic as COVID has been, it's um, for those of us who can live to tell, it's been a gift. It's been a gift of introspection and um, really reassessing what we value. And I find that innovation is the silver lining um, of what we've been through. So I think it's really cool. Everyone's, to me, and my perspective, people are really interested in seeing what's new, what's next without fear, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. The appetite is there and the potential is enormous. Well, I almost want to end right there <laughs> because the potential is enormous. Um, but I always like to give you last words if there's anything else you feel like our audience should hear that we haven't talked about. I would, I would like to thank you guys for the grant. I mean, it really was just this, amazing opportunity for all of us um, uh, to, to make connections with our mentors as well, to have, um, uh, to have an agenda of innovation. When do we ever get that? Just like, that's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and it's, I, I feel like it got us into the right perspective for what's coming. So mm -hmm. I feel fantastic. Thank you. Yes. We are yeah. very, very pleased yes. to have been able to help out with that. Emily, anything else you'd like to share? Um, I concur with that wholeheartedly. And to also end on kind of a note of gratitude, um, I think I was so blown away in this process as well by the, the partnership of the um, Wonder Team um, and also with the willingness of people to spend an hour or two to talk with us and share their ideas. And um, I didn't know until this process that, you know, I could just call someone up and have a conversation and they might actually be willing to share ideas and thoughts. And um, so the real sense of kind of shared interest in making change moving forward and building towards it together was really inspirational. 
I can only say thank you. Thank you again for all the work that you did. The Wonder Grant is, it was designed for exactly this, to not only promote learning and um, an advancement within your own organization, but to share that knowledge more broadly with our, um, with our design community so that all of us can get better. So thank you very much, Doris and Emily from EHDD. I wanna say that the Wonder Podcast can be heard on all streaming services. And we are delighted to share the, the knowledge and the content that we have at our fingertips on a regular basis. Thank you so much.